Welcome to the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast, brought to you by GuitarZoom.com. If you want to improve your guitar playing, keep listening. If you want to improve even faster, go to GuitarZoom.com, where you'll find all of Steve's premium courses, masterclasses, and memberships that'll help you quickly and easily improve your playing. Now, here's your host, Steve Stein. Hopefully that helps you a little bit in understanding the process. Like, you know, if you need to go back and watch this, of course, it'll be, uh, you know, on YouTube and on Facebook and all kinds of places you can rewatch it. But I'd, I'd, when you got some time, I would love for you to write down some things and go, okay, so I need to assess my situation, right? I need to study my fretboard a bit more. I need more, you know, practice on my technique. Because if, if I can't execute what I want to do with my fingers, even if my brain's telling me what to do, but my hands won't do it, that's something I need to work on. That's what, like this course, that's what techniques, essential techniques is all about, is developing those things so you use them when you choose to, when you want to use them. Because the last thing I'll say, and then we'll get to, to this, is be careful of complacency. Okay? You need to understand your music and your musical situations. You need to keep developing your creativity. You need to develop yourself outside your comfort zone. That doesn't mean today you're comfortable, don't be comfortable. It means once you establish comfort in whatever you're trying to do, you got to crack the shell. You got to crack that eggshell and move forward. That's how you keep getting better. Otherwise, every time you grab the guitar and play over any style of music or any jam, it sounds exactly the same. Mm. And I see this a lot with pentatonic. Like people will learn an element of pentatonic and then they'll go, oh my God, the rest of it just seems insurmountable it seems like way too much work so i'm just going to live here and i'm never going to leave this this eggshell that i've built for myself i'm not saying that that's bad i mean if you're if you're happy in it you never go i want more then you're okay but if you want more you got to crack that shell and go okay well i need to add more i need to step outside my comfort zone and maybe just add one new note take my pentatonic and just learn to add you know a ninth in there or something like that just something or a new way of doing my bending, right? I always do the same bends, but I need to learn how to, you know, like there's so many great ways of being able to manipulate the fretboard with bends and vibrato, and I just love that kind of stuff when I play. You know, that's where that musicality comes from is all, in all that movement. The, the What I call vocal tools, which I talk about in the course too, but bending and vibrato and sliding and hammer-ons and pull-offs and, you know, being able to take an ex exotic note that doesn't fit in your scale and throw it in and make it sound really cool, even though... You know, there's lots of really great ways that you can manipulate. It's not just about playing up and down a scale, you see? Dude, that sounds so amazing. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I would like to, uh, since you're talking about <clears throat> all of these different bends and you're just showing all those different techniques, could I share my screen and share your mind map with them? Uh, sure. So, guys, this is... Um, this is actually... Uh, I'm going to show you a behind-the-scenes look at how Steve Stein's mind works. When he sits down and creates a course for you, he actually takes, he doesn't start by like flipping on the camera. He starts by a whole lot of drawing on his knowledge, his experience, and all of his um, teaching that he's done over the past 30 years. 
and uh, this is what he does. The first thing he does is he sits down and creates these huge mind maps and just dumps everything out of his brain that he wants to teach you. And I want to share this with you, kind of a behind-the-scenes look at, at how Steve creates things. I'm just going to click share here. Hopefully, it'll work. Let me know, Steve, if you can see this. Yep, I can see it. Everybody see the mind map? Just say, like, yes or something in the comments. would be super cool. So this is... Um, this is the way Steve's brain works. He takes, he uses this uh, mind mapping software and then just puts everything that he wants to teach you on here. Now we've already done three of these workshops and we're actually gonna, uh, this is the fourth one. I think we have one more to go. Guys, don't worry. If you missed any of the previous ones, they're about an hour long, about an hour long, super cool content. It's gonna be available for you on the YouTube uh, playlist as well as the Facebook playlist. So on YouTube, just go to Guitar Zoom and then click uh, playlist, and then it'll be there called Essential Techniques. Same thing on Facebook. Um, it'll be there for you in a nice, tidy playlist on Essential Techniques. But this is the actual course content. This is what you're going to learn uh, in the Essential Techniques course. So the very first thing that Steve talks about in this course is uh, guitar setup and amp. You know, after you get the, the introduction, you get, you get your guitar set up and your amp set up. Then you jump straight into chords, open chords, power chords, bar chords. Um, and you can see how each of these things, like for strumming, we did an entire uh, workshop on strumming, all these different techniques of scratching and figuring out. Actually, scratching is a great way to figure out uh, if it's a straight or a swing rhythm. Um, you, you can just kind of tell before you even try to play any chords or anything. Um, can you zoom in a little bit because it's fuzzy? Is it? Yeah. There you go. Oh. Zoom in. There you go. Like this? Yep. Okay, really zoom in. All right, so, and look, I'm not going to bore everybody to death with every single topic, but you can tell that there's a whole lot of stuff in here, and this is just on strumming. Um, I'm going to bounce down quickly and show you, let's go over here, picking hand development. Let me blow this up. So picking hand development, picking control, um, down picking, palm muting, holding the guitar properly. I mean, look how deep this goes. Elbow, wrist, fingers, listen and feel. Um, I'm going to jump over to, oh yeah, those are, those are the exercises, the 30 second, 60 second, three minute exercises for your picking control. Uh, it also goes into fretting hand, legato techniques. And I'm going to jump over to the stuff that we're talking about today, which is all of the different um, soloing techniques. So, for example, Steve was just talking about the bends. Take a look at just, he's got vibrato, whole section just on vibrato right here, guys. But then look at the section just on bends, whole, half, three fret, blues, unison, harmony, pre-bend or ghost bends, double pump, siren bends, bend slides, bend pull-offs, um, just a ton of amazing techniques that you need to know. Hand synchronization, slides, Take a look at the slides, airplane, dedicated, back and forth, sliding to change positions. Um, and of course, there's a whole lot more in here. And of course, arpeggios, man, this thing is huge. In fact, it's six and a half hours long, guys. This whole entire thing is six and a half hours long. It's called Essential Techniques. And you can get it right now at guitarzoom.com. Thank you so much, Steve, for making that for everybody to learn from and uh, guys if you went ahead and got the course let us know what you're currently working on one thing i did want to point out we've gotten this question a lot is do you have to go through this entire thing straight 
to you know from the beginning to the end or can you bounce around steve oh no you can bounce around is that's the whole thing is it it's just the whole point of it was for instance it's not about scales and modes so we have courses that talk about scales and modes it's about technique it's Mm -hmm. about grabbing your guitar putting the pick or putting your fingers on there and playing that's what it's about so you know it's not about it i didn't get sidetracked into theory or didn't get sidetracked into modes those are their own things this is strictly about technique so if you want to learn more about picking whether it's hybrid picking or speed picking or alternate picking or down picking or palm muting or you know whatever it might be that's that's the whole thing so awesome okay so steve we've got about maybe 15 20 minutes left here um do you want to where do you want to go from here buddy well, let's go ahead and do some Q&A. We'll- oh, okay. Cool. Um, so, guys, let's talk. Uh, I've got a whole, wow, I have a whole lot of questions here, guys. Woo! All right, where do we start? Where do we start? All right, let's do this. We've got, um, oh, man, I'm trying to pick an easy one, Steve. <laughs> A lot of these things are really deep. (laughs) Yeah, and I'll just do the best. Just throw them out there. Okay. Nagato says, there's no, he says, I'm way too comfortable with my major and minor pentatonic scales when I solo. And I guess the question is, how do you kind of get out of being stuck in major and minor pentatonic? Well, the easiest way that I found, as opposed to doing a hard turn to modes, is to do what I call pentatonic expansions. And I think, I can't remember if these are in, fretboard mastery i know it's in one of those but um i do what's called pentatonic expansions which is subtly training your brain to take a minor pentatonic or a major pentatonic or whatever and add notes to it mm-hmm. and you're adding ultimately become modal anyway they become diatonic i should say um but but it's a it's a subtle way to move into it so when you're playing if you're doing like a minor pentatonic <laughs> You can take that A minor pentatonic and just learn how to add in one note, like the ninth. And immediately you hear it sounds less pentatonic because a pentatonic scale always has, its smallest interval is a whole step. So everything always sounds like you're jumping. It's very big. When you learn to add in a simple note, like just one note, and it's called the ninth, but again, without getting all hung up on what is a ninth and the history of the ninth, you just learn how to use it. And you just practice something like that, very small for a while, and notice how it could change the way that you approach your solos, right? When you go to solo, when you play pentatonic, everything's going to have that kind of pentatonic bluesy sound to it. When you add in one note, you get a lot of different options out of that. So that's an easy way of moving out of your pentatonics is simply learning how to expand them subtly by adding in notes. And then once you've added in those notes, then if you start studying modes or something like that, you're going to go, oh, well, that makes sense. I've already been doing that. Love it. Matthew Hudson says, uh, if, say, I'm using the key of C, would I be correct in soloing using the relative A minor? Say that one more time. If I'm using the key of C, yep. would it be okay to use relative minor, A minor? Well, they are one and the same. So you're technically already using A minor when you're using C. The difference is always emphasis, right? Mm-hmm. 
if you're in C major, your emphasis is C major, the chord C major in some capacity, right? If you're in A minor, your emphasis is over the A. That's why oftentimes when you're playing in a song, you might have a C chord and an A minor chord in there. You're not switching keys, right? It's all right. one and the same. It's just, if you think about it as when I'm on the C chord, I'm emphasizing an element of C. And when I'm on A minor, I'm going to use those same notes. I'm just going to emphasize some element of A minor. Right. And that some element could be a root or a third or a fifth or a seventh or a ninth. I mean, it could be all kinds of different things. But Buffalo Bill says, when should I do release bends? When should you do release bends? I'm not That's sure what you mean by a <laughs> like a like. I'm not sure what you mean. If you can elaborate on that, I could maybe answer that a little bit better. Um, let's see. Travis Ryan says, "Hey Steve, armed with all the techniques and abilities, where does the core spontaneous idea or tune come from in your head?" Usually, for me, it comes from whatever mood I'm in or whatever music I'm listening to at that point. Mm -hmm. So that stuff inspires me huge to write or my soloing style or whatever is whatever kind of in the i'm in the mood of at that point gotcha cool um let's see can you jump in on the e minor or a major anywhere on the fretboard where e minor or a major are found to get different feels well if you move around the fretboard it's not necessarily going to change the feel it's just going to change the register right but you could jump in, I mean, if you, for instance, if you knew E minor down here, and then you played A major uh, right here, it may or may not change the feel, but what it is changing is the register. And again, that's where fretboard freedom comes from, right? Is your availability of being able to move wherever you want. And, right. and then play. So, and again, have a reason. Like if you want to come down here to play, and then you come up here right they, they sound subtly different because one is a little more like talking and one is a bit more like singing mm -hmm. uh this uh jack actually says when phrasing you uh do you imagine a conversation between more persons between yeah i, I think the question is like between two people when you're phrasing, uh, you know, I, I can honestly say I don't, I don't really envision it that way. But that might be a really cool way to envision it. Uh -huh. I envision it simply as like I'm always thinking about what I call dynamic contrast. So I'm trying to. It's like a, it's like a good movie or a good book. I'm trying to build, and then bring it back down. It's like ebb and flow, right? Mm. Bring it up and then bring it down and bring it up and bring it down. That's how I always think about it. Like good solos to me are always ones that build to excitement in some level. That doesn't mean fast. It doesn't mean loud. I don't know what it means. It just means it, they, they've got to build. So I'm always thinking about dynamic contrast, loud, soft, high, low, fast, slow, you know, those kinds of things to try and make the solo sound a little more interesting. Mm -hmm. Here's a good one. Uh, Andres says i have trouble when the progression changes chords very fast and therefore it sounds a bit like the same thing over and over what do you suggest say that one more time uh he's talking about fast chord changes like the tune that you were just doing earlier yep. you know the backing track just had those two simple chords yep and his question is basically what happens when you have a bunch of chord changes 
that happen fast. Well, okay. There, there's two things that you could do. If the core changes are happening quite quickly, it depends on what kind of solo you want. You might be responding to those. This is why you wind up with songs that have solos that are just really melodic. Like they're just constantly making a connection. It's not improv. It's not an improvisation, right? It's a structured idea. Uh, you're going to hate me for doing this, but uh, Achy Breaky Heart. <laughs> right and i know that's awful but <laughs> it's it's just directly making a connection to the chord and that's all it's doing it's serving the song when you have a lot of chord changes sometimes you have to simply serve the song the other thing that you could do with a lot of chord changes is you could bypass some of those chords and make it more spatial so you're not concentrating on every single chord change you're just picking the ones that seem like you that that need to be connected to Mm -hmm. Because sometimes when you play, you don't make constant connections, right? If I was playing this thing and I'm really in a zone, right? Let's say, uh, let's say it's a little bit later in the song. So I'm doing something like this. And I'm going... To be honest, I'm still making a connection because I know those chords are happening and I can't get it out of my brain. But I'm, I'm just trying to jam, right? So if I was in the middle of a cool lick, there might be a chord change underneath there and I'm still going to keep going. I'm not changing just because that chord changed. <laughs> you see? The problem is, is if I never make that musical connection, it sounds like I don't really know what I'm doing. If you're enjoying this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, go to guitarzoom.com and consider becoming a premium member. There are three memberships to choose from. VIP, which gives you instant access to a library of short but powerful courses as well as new bite-sized lessons each month. There's also Play Songs that gives you step-by-step -step lessons so you can learn to play your favorite songs fast. And finally, there's Masterclass, university-level training on everything from soloing to music theory, from blues to home recording. For more info about these memberships and all the premium courses available to you, go to guitarzoom.com. Now back to the podcast. Gotcha. And that's the trap when it comes to people going, well, I just play by feel or I just play by sound. We all play by feel and by sound. But that doesn't mean, you know, I give the keys to my car to a five-year-old and they just drive around by feel, right? They still have to understand the premise of driving a vehicle, right? They don't have to understand everything that a truck driver needs to, to understand, right? Or a, a pilot needs to understand. They don't need to understand all those things, but they need to understand the basics of how the car works and how to not get in an accident and what a stop sign is and you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So we all play with a, an element of feel, at least we should. That's what the creative bucket is for. But it's these other things that allow us to elevate the game a bit. Mm. So we're not just going... <laughs> right? Yes. We want to do more than that. There might not be anything wrong with that little thing. But if that's all I do for my solo, 
it probably isn't going to be very exciting for me or for anybody that's listening, you see? That's right. So. And that's the whole point of this essential techniques course, by the way, guys, is once you have these foundational tools, like tools in a toolbox, these techniques that you have mastered, that's why we call them, that's why Steve called them the essential techniques for every mm -hmm. guitarist. Once you have these essential techniques down, then you can go and be a much better country guitarist, classical guitarist, right. uh, reggae guitarist, jazz, metal, pop, rock, anything in between. But it doesn't make it a bend is a bend is a bend. It doesn't matter what style uh, of music you might be playing. You still have to be able to execute the bend properly with the proper technique. Okay. That's why this thing is called Essential Techniques. It's a universal uh, course that regardless of what you're interested in or where you're at currently in your guitar playing, you can take, and once you master these things, you can go any direction you want. It's the analogy that Steve is giving about the, you know, like probably people who learned how to fly jet airplanes first learned how to drive a lawnmower <laughs> or a tractor or a, uh, you know what I mean, or a car. you got to learn this stuff first before you can ascend to, you know, those other things. Yeah, and that's that's really important to, to understand is is that in my world, especially with teaching, it's not about whether you're the smartest or the fastest or, you know, if you love playing a certain style of music and you don't need, you know, modes or something like that. There's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, if you are happy with the way that you play right now, then you're you're perfect. You're fine, right? Everybody doesn't need to keep moving up the ladder. Everybody doesn't have OCD like I do, right? But what I'm saying is if you find that there's things that you don't like about your playing, it's okay to fix them. And there's, there's, a, there's a way, there's a method to being able to fix the problems that you might be having. But if you're ha like, you know, I think about that all the time, like somebody that maybe doesn't know all of their scales or doesn't know all their theory and they're playing and just having fun and they're enjoying what they're doing, do they need to, here's, here's a story I always use, is I had this student once that used to come to me back in the 90s, he was a punk student, all he did <laughs> were old school punk tunes, right? So almost oh, everything, oh. <laughs> everything was like one, four, five, over and over and over. And I kept trying to interject to him, look, if I teach you a little bit of theory, you could learn all these songs on your own. And he's like, I don't want to learn theory. I just want to learn these songs that I want you to teach him to me. Mm -hmm. And he was perfectly happy with that methodology. Right. So what? Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he enjoyed himself. That was, that was the most important thing. But what I'm saying is if there are things that are missing, that's when you got to try and look and go, well, how do I break the, the eggshell and move forward, you know? Yes. Love it. Uh, let's take another quick one here. Uh, this, uh, Vincent says, what is better? To think first and then do it, or only flow with the fretboard freely and play? I don't think I can answer that. I think it's different different because there are times where you're going to find yourself in a musical situation that's less comfortable than you're used to, and you're going to have to do some thinking. Yeah. Right? I mean, if there's chords that are outside the key, or it's a style that you're not used to, like somebody throws you a jazz tune or you know, something with, with stacked chords that, that involves more than just a simple pentatonic, you might have to think more. It, mm -hmm. it just kind of depends. Um, Doug Smith, and I think Doug's actually a student in the Facebook group for Essential Techniques, so thank you, Doug. Doug has a question, though. It's uh, overlapping the major-minor blues. Can you give an example of that? Overlapping the major-minor blues? Scale, yeah. Yeah, I got a really good one for you. 
um, if you've never seen me do this, if you've seen me do this, then it probably won't be that exciting for you. But, um, well, I didn't mean to get rid of the you. No, 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 go ahead. Um, but basically what you do is you take your minor pentatonic. Let me turn this off here. Okay? And then you take your major pentatonic. If you take that second position, what I call it, of major pentatonic, and you play that at the same time as the minor pentatonic, and what you do is you pick certain notes out of each one of those and play them together. So, for instance, I could play, um, on the fourth string, I'm going to play 4-7, and then 5-6, and then 5-7, and then 5-8. And what I'm doing is I'm taking notes of the major and minor and I'm sticking them together. And you get that kind of sound. And you get this real cool kind of... kind of thing to your blues, you see? So there's some really cool ways that you can mix those together. See, when I was a kid, I always thought you played minor pentatonic. And again, I've seen this, I've seen other people say this, but... My teacher said, you play minor pentatonic over the one chord, and then you go to major pentatonic over the four chord. And like, this was a written rule that he explained to me. So every time I would try to play blues, I'd play A minor pentatonic over A, and then when I go to the D, I'd go to A major pentatonic, never even thinking that I had an option of doing something else. And uh, that's how I grew up thinking blues was played. And it wasn't until later that I learned that like, you know, Clapton and Hendrix and Page and all these guys, it was the combination. <laughs> That made their blues sound the way it does. So cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, Byron says, is the caged system the best way to learn playing over chord changes? It's a really good way. Now, the way I play caged or the way I teach caged is different than I know the way some other people teach caged. Like, I never learn caged as a, as a scalular thing. I learned cage as a visualization of chords. So like C is here, C is here, C is here, and here, and here. I learned how to visualize it that way. That way, if I was playing and I wanted a C chord, I could visualize. And it worked for like comping, like when I would play stuff like that, right? I would do things where I could so if I was playing in, uh, well, let's just say an A major, right? I could comp over that A. So it helped a lot in learning how to see, like, um, arpeggios and different things like that. And I would use it a lot in church when I would comp over songs, like the guitar player, other guitar player would be playing chords, and I would just be adding little fills. I'd be following those chords around in a cage sense. Very cool. Leah Mansky has an awesome question. She says... Hi, Steve. When I'm listening to a song or jam track, what if I do, what do I do if I do not know what chord is being played at a particular time? Well, hopefully you'd know the key that you're in, right? Because sometimes, sometimes we do find ourselves like in a situation where maybe you don't know everything. Let's say I go out to a, a club and somebody invites me up on stage and I have to play a song and it's not really a song I'm very familiar with, right? So maybe I don't know every, every nuance of that song. Um, and it happens, but at the very least, you need to know what key you're in. And here's where pentatonic shines. Pentatonic is always great when you have questions about 
what to do, right? If you're not exactly sure what you should be doing, pentatonic solves that problem because it eliminates the notes that can cause issues. Mm. Pentatonic is always a great uh, backup scale. And again, by saying that, I don't mean I use it, I don't use it in the forefront because I do. But when you're in a situation where you're not exactly sure, it's always great to default back to pentatonic until you've got time to go back and reassess and go, well, what am I going to do with that chord? Or what is that chord? Right? Right. That's what practice is all about. Sam Stamos uh, asked a great question too. He says, when creating a solo, how often do you feel like you're coming up with something you've never heard before? Or how, I'm sorry. I totally butchered that. Okay. When creating a solo, how often do you feel like you're coming up with something that you've already heard before? How do you get around that? That's a tough one. That doesn't sound like something that's already out there. Here's the way I've always tried to explain it with songwriting, for instance, is that it isn't, it isn't just the riff. Like if you find a riff that you like, you know, you look at like, right? And then you've got like, right? They have the same riff, but they do different things. So it's, it's sometimes it's, it may start as an idea that sounds like something else, but in the long run, it's, it, it goes to different places and does different things. It might be in a different key. It might be in a different tuning, all of these things. But then the next part that really makes all the difference is when you flip it on its side and you start building songs this way. The next guitar part, the bass part, the drum part, the vocal part, all of these things become something completely different. So it might have been a spark that came from an idea from a song, but it becomes all these other things as you build out this way and certainly as you build this way, if that makes sense. Mm. Yes. Okay, someone just said just joining. Um, guys, thank you for just joining. We're wrapping up here, so I just I wanna, um, I wanna make sure you guys know about some resources that we have for you so that you can get the absolute uh, most value from the time that you spend with us. These these um, workshops that we've done for you here, we're just wrapping up the fourth one. It's on creative soloing and everything that we've talked about today uh, and, and all these workshops is about essential techniques, techniques that you need to know as a guitar player in order to take your playing to any level you want, regardless of your particular style of music that you like. Steve has created a new course for you. It's called Essential Techniques. It's available right now at guitarzoom.com at the introductory price, which is ending soon. So if you'd like to check out that course and see if it's right for you, then just go to guitarzoom.com and click on that big banner at the top that says Essential Techniques, and then it'll take you over to the page where you can get the course if you want. There are a lot of fast action bonuses, and in fact, one of the fast action bonuses I just noticed is Caged Made Simple. So we had a bunch of people asking about uh, caged chords and how they work. You get the course, you get Steve's Caged Made Simple course free as a bonus, uh, as a fast action bonus, when you um, get this Essential Techniques course. Second thing I want to mention, all of these classes that we've done for you, all of these workshops will be available for you in a nice tidy playlist on the Guitar Zoom YouTube channel. So you can check that out. Uh, just go to YouTube, type Guitar Zoom, the channel will pop up for you, click on playlist, and we'll put each new uh, workshop on the central techniques there for you, as well as in the Facebook group. Um, if you're over there on Facebook, checking that out. 
Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention to you is we have a new membership called Play Songs. And it's all about songs. So if you're like, you know what, this technique stuff sounds amazing, but I'm just not ready for this or I'm just not interested in this particular thing right now. I just want to get some songs under my belt. Go to playsongs.com. Steve has an entire library of songs that we have licensed from the original bands and uh, publishers and uh, artists. A lot of them are tabbed out. And it's just an awesome way to learn a bunch of songs really fast. So if techniques is not your thing right now, might want to check out playsongs.com. The um, the last thing I wanted to mention, guys, is that we are doing one more of these sessions for you on Wednesday, October 21st, and they are at 10 a.m. Pacific, 12 Central. And uh, I don't even know what the next topic is is on, Steve. Do I you? Think, as I understand, I think it's all Q&A. Oh, okay. So Wednesday is the big Q&A session. So come prepared with all your burning questions about technique, and we will just hammer out as many questions and answers as we possibly can. What else did you want to cover today? Well, I think that's enough. Like I said, there's a lot that I, I went through. It, it's hard to go into detail of everything without, this is why I like to do like clinics and things like that, where you can sit and talk about this for three hours, but, right. but at least it's enough to get started and think about where everybody can think about where they are and, and how, how to connect to that and, and what they might need from there. So, right. Soloing, right. the only thing I would say is, is, is just don't think that soloing has to be the same as it is for the other person. Even if it's somebody that you love, somebody's playing style that you absolutely love, it doesn't mean it's going to convert to you. Take the stuff that makes the most sense to you where you are right now when you're playing and try and morph it. Because the one thing that I was trying to explain to people is if you're here and you want to get here, I think that's wonderful. But find a logical way to get there. You know, instead of always grabbing something where now you're not even practicing creative pra soloing anymore, you're practicing, so you're back in rudimentary because you're practicing some new pattern or something, that's awesome. But it's taken you out of this bucket again. So the way to stay in this bucket is to take just small little elements and twist them and try and make those into something that's useful and sounds good to your ear and feels good to your heart. You know what I mean? Mm. I do. Awesome stuff, Steve, as always, man. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. And guys, it's always a pleasure to be here with you guys. You guys are the reason that Steve and I are even here. And so we do appreciate your support. You guys are just the best, and uh, thank you for your continued time and attention. And one of the greatest compliments that you can give is to share this with somebody you think might be able to get some use out of it. Uh, and also, if you're a member of GuitarZoom, then if you would like to share your experience with folks who have not um, decided to join us, that if you've had a good experience or even a bad experience, tell us about that. And Refer folks to the channels and to the website. That's the way we continue to be able to pr provide value for you. And uh, it's just a cool thing that is a big circle of love, <laughs> of giving and receiving. That's what we try to do here. So, Steve, anything else to uh, add, my friend? No, I think that's good. Okay, I do too. Guys, we'll see you on Wednesday. Same time, same place, 10 o'clock Pacific time, October 21st, for the final Essential Techniques Workshop. Again, if you'd like to get the course, it's on sale right now at the introductory price with some really cool extras that you get um, just for signing up. That's available at guitarzoom.com and the, the course is Essential Techniques by Steve Stein. Thank you, brother. Always a pleasure. 
It was awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, guys. Bye. Next time on the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast. You know, I've got this Kemper that I use for a lot of my tones, Dan. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a tone on there that is um, like a Dr. Z. But it's it reminds me of like an Andy Timmons or kind of Eric Johnson-y tone. Yeah. I just love the sound of it. It's a lot of fun to play. Are you playing through the Kemper right now? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because like with playing, it, it's so easy to be inspired by a like a tone. And right. then you just start playing and kind of go with it, which is so great. Super cool. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Paul, Rusty, Eric, Stephen Bell is back. Bucket full of balls. Peekaboo, he says. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings. Jack Waters. How you guys doing? Hey, guys. Thanks for joining us. As you're piling in here, uh, tell us where you're from. That'd be awesome. All right. Alex is here. Pete is here. White Rabbit is here. 07 Gaming. Vienna. All right. Germany. UK. It would be so cool as if there was like a map or something. We could see where everybody is. That would be right. so cool. Snowy Min- Minnesota. Snowing already in Minnesota. October. They got, wow. We got four inches yesterday. They got, I think they got seven inches. Wow. We have a snor- snowstorm again tomorrow and then again on Sunday. Wow. Russell Roy from Denver. Where are, you, where, where are you in Denver, Russell? I used to live in Denver. Just curious. Buckinghamshire. Rotterdam. I don't know why I'm speaking in that. <laughs> <laughs> Rotterdam. Rotterdam. Norway. This is so cool. Germany. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks for showing up today. Super cool to be with you again for another session of Essential Techniques. Today is our last and final workshop that we're doing uh, together, at least for this particular topic of Essential Techniques. This is the fifth, I believe, workshop that we've done That's right. on Essential Techniques. That's right. Uh, the first one we did is Feel the Rhythm. Second one we did is Picking Perfection. The third is playing songs. The fourth is creative soloing. And today we're going to do a big old session on question and answer. Everything that you want to know about technique. And uh, while I'm getting my act together here, Steve, um, I was going to ask them to give us the link to the playlist. In case you guys missed any of the previous ones, you can go and check out all the workshops are going to be on the Guitar Zoom YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, type in Guitar Zoom, click on the uh, Guitar Zoom YouTube channel, and click on Playlists. And then under the playlist, you'll find all of the previous sessions that we've done, because all of these have been live. And then uh, you'll be able to check out the one that we're doing today. Guys, if you want to learn essential techniques, if you want to improve your playing on a fundamental level, regardless of what style you are, and really regardless of uh, what your current skill set is, Steve has a new course for you. It's called Essential Techniques by Steve Stein, and it's available at guitarzoom.com. Just go there and click on the big banner at the top, and you can get all the information. 
There are several fast action bonuses before the introductory uh, price expires, which should be, I think, Monday is the last day. So you get all the bonuses and you get the introductory price if you decide to invest in this course uh, before Monday, October 26th. Cool. And a whole lot of people have already done that. And by the way, guys, if you're here and you're actually already signed up for Essential Techniques, tell us what you want to learn from that course. What's the number one reason you decided to purchase it and uh, kind of what your goal is to accomplish? Like, what do you want to accomplish with Essential Techniques? And get your questions ready. Everything that we're going to be talking about today in terms of your questions are going to be, um, if you could keep them directed on technique, and we can talk about, Steve can talk about what that is exactly. Um, that would be super helpful to everybody here. Hopefully everybody can learn some stuff and, uh, and you guys can get some value from what we're talking about today. All right, Steve, where do you want to take it from here, my friend? Well, we'll just start doing some Q&A here. I'm going to throw this up here. Uh, I'm not actually going to throw up. I'm going to throw it <laughs> So I just thought this might help us a little bit. What's your single biggest struggle with guitar? Okay. Mm. Now I see we've already got a couple questions about um, sweeping, sweep picking. So we'll start with that. I'm just going to answer some questions. And then if we need to go into a bit more detail with some techniques, we can certainly do that. Um, I'm just going to do this before we even start, let you know that like I live in, um, North Dakota. So right now it's cold and it's just going to get colder and then it'll get brutally cold <laughs> and then it'll get deathly cold and then it'll warm up a little bit by April or May or June. Wow. So the first thing I want to explain to all of you, especially like if you're like me and my circulation isn't as good as it was 20 years ago, right? So one of the most important things that I need to do every single day when I play, and certainly when it gets colder outside, is warm up my hands. So I do a lot of stretching with my hands, and I do a lot of, like, what I do is I squeeze my fingertips, and it makes the blood flow to my fingertips. There's all kinds of different things that you can do, but I'm just going to remind you that warming up before you actually practice is a really beneficial thing. Hey, Steve Stein here from GuitarZoom.com, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, can I ask you a favor? Please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with a friend. Your feedback means more to me than you'll ever know. And be sure to check out my YouTube channels where you'll find over 1,000 videos to help you with your guitar playing. Thanks again for listening. Stay positive, keep playing, and keep having fun. If you'd like some help with your guitar playing but you're not sure how to get started, go to GuitarZoom.com and look for the Help Me Choose survey. By answering a few simple questions, you'll get Steve's personal recommendation of the perfect course for you. All this and more is available for you at GuitarZoom.com.